In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. And speaking of Anderson Hauser uh, as our sponsor, you can catch them at a trade show near you this fall. Um, looks like Looks like these things are coming back, and, and it's a lot of fun, but Anderson Hauser is going to be showcasing their portfolio of oil and gas application products, technologies, and services uh, at uh, the GPA Midstream Conference in San Antonio, Texas, uh, September the 26th through the 29th. They'll also be at uh, ILTA in Houston, October the 4th through the 6th. Downstream USA 2021 is in Houston uh, on October 21 and 22nd. And uh, then there's going to be an automation fair in Houston, uh, November the uh, 10th through the 11th. So uh, we'll try to put some information about that in the show notes. Uh, but uh, if you want to reach out to Anderson Hauser on that, uh, you certainly can. If you want to reach out to, uh, directly to Anderson Hauser. Uh, my LinkedIn URL contact info is always in the show notes and uh, you can, you can reach out to me and I can put you in direct contact with Anderson Hauser. Um, so I'm very excited to have on our show today, uh, Trina Ingalls. Trina, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And, and I did pronounce that right. Ingalls. Yes. You know, uh, dumb, dumb, uh, podcast host that I am, you know, I, I, I wait till we start doing the recording before I figure out how to say people's names. But, uh, anyway, uh, folks listen to me to figure out what not to do on a podcast sometimes. So <laughs> Trina, uh, people will uh, be listening to this, uh, a few days after we've, uh, recorded it here, but, uh, for our, our purposes, uh, we're sitting here today. Uh, we kind of dodged a bullet last night as, uh, hurricane, what was the name of that hurricane? Nicholas, right? Nicholas, Nicholas. Yeah. Hurricane. And it actually, it was a tropical storm apparently all the way up until just before it made landfall. And apparently, According to the news I heard today, it, it did officially hit as a Cat One hurricane, uh, just down the down the coast from us. Uh, Trina, you're in you're in the Houston area, right? Yeah, I'm up in the Woodlands area, actually. Okay, well that's uh, that's what we endearingly refer to as North Houston, you know. So, uh, and then actually, I'm just a little bit little bit farther north uh, by about uh, twenty miles and uh, west than you are. And, uh, we didn't, we didn't get too much rain. We didn't get too much, uh, wind, uh, Houston only got about six to 10 inches is what I was told. Galveston got 14, but, uh, this time yesterday they were talking about 20 inches of rain or more. Uh, I'm, uh, the chairman of the, uh, API Houston chapter, uh, we actually had the, uh, chief operating officer from API national, uh, 
uh, scheduled to be our keynote speaker at our uh, API petroleum uh, luncheon at the Petroleum Club in downtown Houston today. And she was coming in from Washington, D.C., flying in yesterday morning. Uh, so at eight o'clock yesterday morning, we had to make the decision whether or not to tell her to come or not and cancel the meeting. And uh, at the time, it was looking pretty bleak. And we uh, erred on the side of caution and uh, very disappointed that, that we had to cancel the meeting today. Uh, but as a result, I'm able to schedule this uh, podcast. So, uh, Trina, uh, Trina, you're with a you're with a company called uh, New Tech Global. Is that right? Yeah. New Tech Global Environmental. New Tech Global Environment. Now, uh, probably nobody has ever heard of New Tech Global, but uh, you may have worked for a company or two that somebody might have heard of. Is that right? Yes. I started, uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I started back uh, working for Exxon when it was really Exxon before the merger, went through the merger of ExxonMobil, and then switched over to Anadarko Petroleum in about 2004. And I was with them all the way up until and through the Oxy um, buyout of Anadarko and then uh, took a package after that. But um, I have a pretty diverse background in um, everything from, you know, regional strategy work. Um, I kind of, even my engineering degrees, I've got two of them, one's civil engineering, one's environmental engineering. Then I went right into reservoir engineering with Exxon. And of course, they they take you through ExxonMobil or Exxon University is what I, they used to call it. And uh, yeah. I've worked West Texas water floods is where I started, Permian Basin, um, the Russell Field, the Robertson Clearfork Field, the Cornell WAG unit, um, worked a little bit of uh, Martin Field as well out there, then went into South Texas tight gas um, on and off the King Ranch, uh, moved into offshore uh, Mississippi Canyon area with them. And then when I went to Anadarko, I was working East Texas tight gas, uh, East Texas kind of regional planning, um, stretch, uh, strategic planning. I went into a regulatory engineering role in which I got to uh, work with various state agencies uh, like Pennsylvania um, Department of Energy around bubbling around the wellhead whenever some of that was going on and just wellbore integrity in general, teaching them uh wellbore integrity parts, um, went in with Texoga on dune lizards when that was kind of threatening to be listed. Um, I've kind of done just a variety of stuff, got really got into kind of, uh, commercial work is what I would say. And, and, and then international exploration towards the end. And then finally kind of a fit for purpose team. I was leading where we had a, a safety person. Um, we had reservoir engineer, commercial engineer, um, geologist geophysicist and we were kind of a fit for purpose stage gate team so that all major projects ran through and we would we would go through and help the um, executive committee understand what the true risk and uncertainty was for that particular project so that they knew exactly what they were signing off on and that was probably one of the most challenging challenging jobs I had before uh, the oxy merger and then and then I was also doing um, a planning role for exploration onshore and offshore so kind of had two roles there. But now let's back up here just a minute. And and, and this goes back to me being a, a bad podcast host uh, and uh, not 100% certain of, of how to pronounce your name. I actually forgot to. Uh, and, and I mentioned you're working now with New Tech Global, uh, but I didn't 
I didn't say exactly what, what your position is. Uh, you're actually the director of, of ESG and sustainability right now. And so when you say that you've worked uh, all these uh, various different uh, projects and things that sound uh, very exciting, you're talking about working them uh, from a uh, regulatory and, and safety type uh, and risk management environment, right? Um, not necessarily, no. I was actually a true reservoir engineer. Um, oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm actually more on the technical side. Although, you know, as you went, you know, as you kind of grow up in your in your career, you find out what you're passionate about. And so, what I found out was that as I as I went through, I my passion was around the strategy and the commercial work, working in the gray area, which is not typical of what an engineer does. Um, I don't mind that gray area. I don't mind the complexity. And trying to find kind of practical solutions to to solve these some of the more challenging problems, and so um, that's kind of with my diverse background. That's kind of where I how I fell into ESG. Um, really, it, it's because it has so much complexity right now, um, and trying to help smaller companies figure out how do they even get engaged, how they start going through that that process. Well, it does have a lot of complexity. In fact, let's let's just because of all the complexity, uh, let's just back up here for just a second. Okay, uh, <clears throat> ESG. Uh, what is it? What does even ESG stand for? for there would be some folks out there who aren't certain. So ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance, and it's basically. Um, People use it interchangeably right now with sustainability. So you're hearing a lot about sustainability. There's also, before all this kind of came through, there was the CR, uh, CRS, the kind of uh, corporate responsibility programs. So um, all those things kind of blend together. But ESG in particular has a little bit more um, backing in that it has the actual metrics behind it. So when you talk sustainability, it's not necessarily with the metrics. It can be just the high-level overview um, but ESG in particular uh, puts the metrics, a lot of the metrics that you that you have in your in your EHS program uh, with it. Okay, so so let's back up there talking about these these metrics. Um, so so you have uh, HSE or uh, and then you have ESG. And so are we, are we running these things or these are companies running these things as, uh, uh, two separate, you know, operations or, or how do, how do they integrate? Yeah. So, um, every company's going to be different. Some people haven't even started down the ESG journey. So they're really still in just environment, environmental health safety. But when you're talking about the environmental part of ESG, you're talking about your greenhouse gas emissions. You're talking about how you're handling waste and your wastewater. Um, you're talking about energy efficiencies. Um, it's it's kind of all those things wrapped in, into the E part. Um, so that's that's how you would get like, so all the things you're already tracking, spills, what kind of spills, how much of a spill, all those things are part of the standards and frameworks and guidelines that are behind ESG. But then it goes another, I would say another level in that it also asks you to describe um, how your policies are supporting all those things. And 
And that's so the social it, part. It's no, that's still on the environmental part. It, it asks for it's a, it's a, there's also a discussion part. So not only do you provide the metrics like you would in EHS, but you actually have a full on discussion of what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you have things in place that, that help it. So, um, so if you're looking, so, so the complexity of ESG is that right now it's all voluntary. There's nothing that's mandated and there's no type of um, third-party auditing behind it as well. And when you look across the landscape of all this stuff, you have um, what they call guidances, frameworks, and standards. And whenever I think of those three things, I think of um, you're driving from here to Austin and a guideline says, you know, hey, thou shall drive from here to Austin the safest way you can and the most efficient way you can. That's a guideline. Then you get into the frameworks and it says, okay, you have that guideline, but now in the framework, you have a roadway. So you can pick which roadway you want to use, but that infrastructure, that roadway is kind of the, the borders um, that create the framework. And when you get down into the standards, it goes a little bit further and it says, okay, now you're in the US and you're on our roadways. And so, you know, the speed limit is 65 miles an hour and you should, and you should go from here to there in, you know, using following all traffic laws and all those things. So it kind of, it, they kind of go down in, in, um, let's say more, get more specific as you go down, but they're also all different coming from it at different backgrounds. So what you're seeing is that um, one way might look more towards, might be geared towards an investor. So SASB, what they call SASB is the standard for accounting. Um, so I think it's accounting back uh, boards or can't remember exactly, but uh, th that standard is completely fixed on investors. So they've went out and they've created 77 different individual um metrics and frameworks or standards now when you, around now when you say digits. when you say they who 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 did this so that so the board underneath SASB basically went out reached out to a whole um plethora of different people and created um this metric that said these are the most material things for a, a company in oil and gas let's say these are the and most material things that we think you should be reporting for, to investors and so here's what we think you should be reporting. This is our standards. And here's the exact way you should report it. Here's how you calculate it. Here's what kind of metrics, you know, here's what you use it, a metric ton per CO2. You know, they tell you kind of some of those, those things. And then they, then they say, and here's what your, your discussion item should be. Your dialogue should, you should be talking about um, exactly how does this work? Uh, how do you, how do your policies support um, creating a culture of, EHS, a culture of um, environmental protection, those type of things. And so are these pretty well, you know, you said they they came out with 77 of them. Uh, are, are these uh, pretty well uh, embraced or, or, or recognized by companies or, you know, what kind of uh, – any kind of regulatory authority or anything? I mean, you know, like, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, API has standards and, you know, you, you either follow those standards or you don't get the API approval, you know, for your, uh, maybe. So, right, so right now it's all voluntary. Um, all but voluntary. you're seeing, okay. 
you're seeing in the background, you're seeing um, some of these frameworks are starting to align to each other and merge together, uh, frameworks and standards. Um, and you're also seeing, like, let's say for just oil and gas industry, you're seeing that that people are gravitating to certain ones. So SASB is definitely one because it's much more specific to our industry. They have one for midstream, they have one for oil and gas, and they have one for service companies. Um, it's a little bit easier to get around, your hands around. You're also seeing GRI, which is another one that's more of a European one. So you're going to see the bigger companies might report on a GRI standard. And then API and I want to say OOPG or G or something like that put together along with, um, let me see, which one was that one? They, they put together one called IPICA. And IPICA was specifically and solely designed by the art industry. And so when you're out there and you're looking at, at sustainability or ESG reports for various companies, some will only use SASB, some will use GRI and SASB and IPICA. You know, it just depends on who their stakeholders are that they wanted to communicate to or they needed to communicate their information to. Um, there's no set standard. They're using all three. And then they're also using what they call TCFD, which is the, which is the climate um, task force. And that I, one is specific around um, how how are you basically on a risk management um, accounting for climate issues that might hit your company or that you might have on somebody's company. So in other words, how are you um, as a company prepared for a hurricane? And then and what what kind of impact material impact would that have on your company? So they want you to run, you know, scenarios to understand so that you can communicate to investors how that might hit your company or what happens if there's a carbon tax, how, you know, how would that impact materially your company? And are you prepared for that? Those are the kind of things that come out of some of these. Um, and so that's the, that's the G in, in ESG, that's the governance part or. So, so, um, yeah, so that, well, let's go back. So the social part is where, um, that's where you're going to see the health and safety part. That's where your, you know, your LT, uh, your LTIs are, that's where your, um, TRIs are, or your, uh, sorry, running out of, that's where okay, all the, Okay. You're throwing out all these acronyms. So you, for, yeah. for, for the benefit of some of us, you're going to have to explain <laughs> those. So your lost time recordables, those type of things, um, that's where that's going to house in the social part. That's where also your, how many man hours are you doing for your staff around um, health and safety, around emergency response? Are you doing that for your contractors? How many hours are you doing that for contractors? Um, it's also how you treat the social parts, how you treat other people. So how are you treating your stakeholders? Let's say you're in a in an area of like maybe on an Indian reservation. How are you treating them? What is your what is your um, process around working in the community? Um, all of those kind of things fall under the social. And then the governance part is where you're actually showing that you're committed because you have a, a physical policy in place to basically support the environmental and social part. Uh, within your company and externally. So that's where you're, they actually post, people actually post what's their, um, how do they go about finding board members? How do they go about doing their risk management plan? 
what's their policy on bribery and uh, what's their policy on indigenous groups. Um, those are the kind of things, but it's actually the policy, even to the point of what's your policy on cybersecurity, because that's really becoming an issue in you know the midstream and oil and gas sector after we had the uh, the pipeline disruption recently. So it's it's the actual policies that support the S and the G and your company to make sure that everything's working. So to navigate through this, what to me you have just described as as uh, a very complicated maze, um, and you start dealing, you know, you mentioned SASB and GRI and 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 all these other. And, and all this stuff is out there and, and, and nothing is, is, is really uh, particularly standardized, which is, which is something like, for example, American Petroleum Institute, you know, years ago, you know, they kind of, uh, they became the, you know, the poster child for standardization and everybody, you know, uh, followed it and, and, and continues to do so today. So what happens is, uh, if, if you're not a Exxon mobile or, or, you know, BP or, or, or somebody like that, um, a small operator, uh, probably needs someone like new tech global environmental, because that's, that's, that's actually what you do. That's actually, uh, what your passion is, is, is to work with these companies who don't have all the resources an Exxon has. And instead you bring to bear. Uh, that for them. Is that right? That That's right. That was really uh, when I looked at where I was going to head next in my career, New Tech Global um, to me has that value proposition. And, and what it was, was the balance between the technical world that I, I like still, and then the strategy and the and this kind of ESG complex world in that for a small company or even a midsize, they just don't have, you know, a hundred people working this. We can provide the expertise to do a greenhouse gas baseline study and then walk them through, okay, now that you have that, here's maybe some things that you should think about to where if you want to improve your emissions in the future, here's, you know, changing out pneumatics to from a high bleed to a low bleed. But also a lot of what happens in the ESG is, is as we, you know, eventually move towards something that will be standard because that's where we really are headed. Um, are you are you collecting the right data for how you might want to report and which report do you want to use? So we kind of help maybe looked at like a three year plan. So it's something that you don't have to do tomorrow. And people get overwhelmed because they're hearing all the jargon that's coming and all these big companies like Exxon and everything are doing all these all this stuff and putting out 100 page reports. You don't have to do that. Um, somebody as simple as uh, Matador, they they provided a standard SASB table and a one-page ESG um, report, and that was it. And I thought that was brilliant because you don't have to go crazy. What you have to do is make sure your data is in place, make sure that you're reporting it accurately so that in the future you can come back and audit it, and make sure that it's serving your needs as your company and the investors that you're trying to serve. That's all you have to do. And so, um, you know, new tech provides that ability to kind of help you walk all the way through the process in whatever process, whatever stage you are at. And so, um, and I think that's what, to me, that's what's fun is that I, I get to see um, all stages. I mean, sometimes people come and they just say, you know what, I have a wait and see um, 
I have a wait and see personality. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And that, and that's fine. Um, but I also kind of encourage them to think about maybe a three-year plan. Think about, you can have a wait and see, but you can still start getting things in place. Like which data do I need to be collecting so that in three years, whenever something might become mandatory, I have it all in place and I'm not at the last minute just scrambling. Um, or, you know, one thing that we get a lot is all of a sudden you can kind of take two approaches. You can either, you know, sit back and do that wait and see and wait till somebody like one of your investors from your PE firm comes and yells at you and says, hey, I want all these metrics. Or you can you can sit down and create that three-year plan and say, look, we're not there yet, but in three years, here's where I'm going to be and, and hand that plan to the investor group. And then, you know, they might say, oh, that's not good enough and you have to accelerate it, but at least you're controlling your own destiny a little bit more than them just coming down and saying, I want all these numbers right now. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the balancing point that I, I try to find and, and work with each client on. Well, that's great. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy to, uh, you know, introduce new tech global, uh, as, as a resource for that. Um, this podcast is, is heard in over 100 countries, uh, just how global is new tech. So new tech's an interesting, uh, a great company. It's actually five companies underneath one. So the new tech global has, I think three staffing companies, then we have what they call Auburn Energy and then the New Tech Environmental. So it, it's actually much bigger. Um, it started about 30 years ago with the original group coming together, original partners coming together and being more of, of a, um, uh, I guess, engineering advisory, engineering consulting firm. And they've grown. And then I think it was 2014, they merged with Car Environmental, which is how we ended up with the environmental uh, company. And just recently, right before the pandemic, we actually merged with um, Sierra Hamilton. So all of the, the operational and project management stuff from Sierra Hamilton as well came in together. So um, international-wise, the staffing company, we have, we have Latin America and a couple other areas that are just getting set up. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, um, where we can provide staff. And then and then we have kind of a whole, I would say, deep portfolio of people, consultants that we can pull on for various projects that could be, you know, around the country. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. So what we will do, as, as always, is uh, we will uh, actually, uh, Trina, list your uh, LinkedIn uh, URL in the show notes. So, uh, anybody can, can reach out to you about that. Um, and, uh, we'll also put, uh, new tech globals, uh, website in the show notes. Uh, Trina, I, again, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on and, and talk about this, uh, as we, uh, sign off here, uh, anything else you want to, uh, share with us that you, you think, uh, would be of, of interest? Um, I think, I think just making sure people understand that, you know, ESG or sustainability stuff is not really going away that you really need to start thinking about it. It doesn't have to be overnight, but, but start putting that into your, into your head. And what we're also seeing is that it's going to be auditable or where you're going to have to have a third party on some of this data um, so kind of like Netherlands Soul coming and doing your reserves, there's going to be third parties that are doing that. And what you're also seeing is, um, you know, people wanting to be certified. 
there's there's a bunch of certification companies coming around certified for responsible gas and um and if you want to move down that track you know there's a lot more data handling in the background that has to be done uh in order to do that so it's it's all coming um together it's just a matter of how quickly you want to get get moving and, and start understanding what's what's in the background um and the and also i think on the emission side um there's a lot of technology, whether it's satellite for super emitters or flybys, if you're what people fly flying by to see whether you're d- doing any kind of emissions. And a lot of the states, I know New Mexico is definitely doing a lot of flybys and they're starting to crack down and, and offer some pretty hefty fines for emissions leaks. So you're also seeing a lot of lawsuits coming if you overstate what you think you can do, um, you know, over promise and under deliver, you're seeing some lawsuits come out as well. So it's definitely on on the radar and growing. It definitely is. It's uh, it's part of the part of the changing environment. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, again, Trina, thanks uh, to the audience out there. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, please tell your friends uh, to listen. Uh, post us on LinkedIn and your other social media. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. And please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Discover more about Anderson Hauser by uh, looking in the show notes for our website link. Uh, at uh, cx.indrus.com forward slash HSE dash podcast and register for our monthly podcast giveaway. Uh, Also posted in the show notes uh, are the links to uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.